listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Today, uh, a very important broadcast because... Once again, I've never, ever taught this on the broadcast, ever. But um, it came on me strongly this morning as I was uh, studying. And uh, here's my father. Love you, Dad. And I've never taught this on the broadcast uh, before. I uh, just kind of was putting it in my notes as the Lord was talking to me. But I don't even, how do we exactly title it? I don't even remember. It's five, five things you must write down. To be successful. And then uh, it's so important that you get this. I'm going to give you five things, and I'm going to give it to you from the Word and uh, and show you how important it is to, to literally, I'm not talking about like write it on your heart. I'm talking about actually write it down. To actually write it down. It will change you. It will change your life, your ministry, your business, and your family. I mean that. I'm not just saying that for the sake of the broadcast. It will. I'll show you the principles from the Scripture and you can understand it, uh, what the Lord showed me today. So I'm going to give you these five things, and it's so important. You know, let me just say this. They tell us that we are far more likely, and I've read the the percentage on the statistic. I can't remember it off the top of my head. Um, but we are far more likely to retain and remember things if we write them down. And I don't mean type them onto a phone, but... There's something that's, that goes bef- back and forth between your brain, the memory center, and your motor skills of actually writing that thing down on paper. Uh, they've proven that time and time and time again. And uh, so I want to give you these things because they, they play a major role in uh, your success in the kingdom of God and all that you've set your hand to do. And so uh, I want to show that to you. Love you, John. Lily is in the house. Uh, and Tracy, good to see you. And uh, number one, as we're, we're going to jump right in because I, I don't want to waste any time. Number one, first thing you need to write down according to Scripture is you need to write the vision and make it plain. So number one, put it in the comments. I need to write the vision down. Write the vision down. Write the vision, and we're going to go to Habakkuk. It's in Habakkuk chapter 2. So very important that we get this. The Bible says, uh, Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 2, and I'll read you uh, 3 as well. The Bible says, And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain upon tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. And this, obviously, this was a, a prophetic passage that was, um, you know, from uh, you know, the Lord, obviously, and talking to Habakkuk the prophet. But I want to give you a principle out of this passage, which is this. You've got to have a clear vision of what you're called to do a clear vision 
of what it is that the Lord wants you to do in life. Uh, this is such an important aspect of your life, by the way. And I, this is why I mentioned it first. Because if you don't know, I like, in fact, I'll give it to you the way that Bishop Oyedepo says it, and I like this. He said, if you don't know where you're going, anywhere you arrive looks like it. If you don't know where you're going, anywhere you arrive looks like it. And that's important to know because God doesn't want you to just end up anywhere. He wants you to end up where he's called you to be. And so when God gives you a vision, write it down and define it, clearly define it and know what it is you're supposed to do. You know, what's amazing is that this is a principle that uh, they understand clearly in the business world. Uh, you know, one of the things that has always kind of graded at me is that, <clears throat> yeah, and, and I would follow Liz Mendez, put that in, in the comments section. If I don't know where I'm going, anywhere I arrive looks like it, looks like my destination. Put that in the comments. If I don't know where I'm going, anywhere I arrive looks like it. So number one, we're writing the vision down. Where are we headed? What are we doing? What are we called to do? It's very important. Write the vision. And look at it. Make it plain on tablets. For what purpose? That he may run who reads it. And, and I, want, I want to get this into your spirit because it's always graded at me that people understand these principles in the the natural world, the business world, whatever it might be. And then we come to church, we become Christians, and we act like none of it's important. Well, you know, if the Lord wants it done, he'll do it. Oh, you know, if it's God's will, it'll come to pass. You know, we talk like that. And we take no responsibility with with our own personal wisdom, diligence, all these things. And we just kind of, and Pentecostals and Charismatics are, Man, they're, they're notorious for this. They'll just lay back. Well, if the Lord wants it to happen, it'll happen. I mean, are you serious right now? We were at a church one time. My father was there. He might still be watching. My father was holding a, a, a revival. I was there with him. And uh, he preached in the Sunday morning service. And when he was done preaching, he gave an altar call for salvation. And uh, a bunch of people answered the altar call to be saved. And... Uh, after he prayed the prayer of salvation with the new believers, uh, nobody in the church, not the pastor, not an usher, not a helps ministry team member, nobody approached any of the new believers at the altar. And they all finally just kind of filtered back to their seats. And we went to lunch afterwards. And um, my dad said to the pastor, now I notice after we prayed the prayer of salvation, Nobody followed up with any of those new believers. Nobody gave them information. Nobody took their names. Nobody gave them a Bible. Nobody gave them any materials. And the pastor's answer to this day still blows me away. He said, oh, if they're supposed to come back, they'll come back. If they're supposed to be here, they'll come back. And then he said this. He said, plus, <clears throat> if they're not really saved under my ministry, if we don't really count it. That was his answer. That was his answer. If they're not saved under my ministry, we don't really count it. And if they're supposed to be here, they'll come back. 
That's as dumb as saying that you could just have a baby, throw it out in the woods, and if they're supposed to be your child, they'll come back to your house. You know, that that newborn will somehow find a way to just crawl back to the house. I mean, that's stupid. And we're not called, remember this, we're not called to make uh, we're not called to make decisions. We're not called to make converts. We're called to make disciples. A disciple is different than a convert. And you can't do that if you have no ability to work with that person to raise them up. And so we understand these things. Do you know how hard, I mean, imagine if this was in the business world and all, you know, 20, 30 people at the altar. What if they, those were all leads for a salesman? What do you think about that? You think they're just going to go, well, if they're supposed to buy from our company, they'll contact us. I mean, I got I got Zach sitting here in the studio, one of the best salesmen uh, when, he, when he worked for, for the Ford Corporation, one of the best salesmen. Didn't you manage all the other salesmen? Managed all the other salesmen. I mean, they would think that was crazy to have. Can you imagine people making their own decision to stop by the dealership and tell you, to tell you to your face, you know, we're really going to buy a car. We are going to buy a car. We're not thinking about buying one. We are going to buy one. And you had 30 people come to the dealership and say to you, we are buying one. And then and then you say, all right, sounds good to me. And then you tell your manager, well, if they're going to buy from me, they'll come back and find me. No, that's a, they call that a hot lead. It's not a cold lead. That's a hot lead. You know they're going to buy. You know they're motivated to buy. They're ready to buy. So what do you do as a good salesman? You make that transaction happen. You don't let them leave the dealership without a new car. I mean, literally, you do whatever you can to make that transaction happen. And here we are in church, and we got people that are hungry to see God move in their life. They feel the Holy Spirit convicting them. They come to the altar. The the Lord has pulled them into the kingdom, and then we're sitting around. Well, if they're supposed to be here, they'll come. No, no. And and the, you have to. And this is crazy to me. We understand these principles in the natural world. We don't apply them in the business world, or excuse me, in the spiritual world. And what what happens to us? We become irresponsible, lazy Christians because of the fact we don't apply wisdom principles in the kingdom. And the Bible says, write the vision, make it plain upon tablets. Do you know they tell people that are, whether it's they got a startup going, they've got a business that they've already started that's launching and they're trying to, you know, get investors or whatever it might be. They they encourage you to put together what's called an elevator pitch, if you've never heard of that. An elevator pitch. What does that mean? That if you got on an elevator with a with an investor of some sort, that between floor one and floor three, you could pitch your whole idea, your whole business to that person in its fullness and entirety with the hook as to why that person wants to be involved or should be involved. And you can do it all within two floors on an elevator ride. Well, what's the power of that? You can't do that unless you fully understand your vision unless you fully understand your purpose and where you're headed. If it's vague, I actually heard a guy say it this way one time. If you can't write down your purpose and your vision on the back of my business card, you don't know what it is clearly enough. You just don't know what it is. You don't know what your purpose is. You don't know what your vision is clearly enough. If you can't be concise and write that thing down, you don't even know. 
You don't even know clearly enough. And you have to, and I do mean have to, narrow it down. Because the more narrow you can make your focus, the more narrow you can make your vision, the more effective you'll be in life and in the kingdom. No question. Otherwise, what's going to happen is, because you don't clearly know, you'll just start doing everything. And if you start doing everything, then you won't have time to do the specific thing that you're supposed to be doing. So what do we do? When the Holy Ghost speaks to us and we get a vision, we write the vision down. We write it. We make it plain. Maybe you've heard the term uh, vision statement. You've probably heard the term vision statement. What's your vision statement? Don't look at it and say, well, that's that's carnal. That's a, that's a carnal principle. No, it's a biblical principle. <laughs> write the vision. You can't write a vision you don't have. So what's your vision statement? What are you? What's your purpose? What are you focusing on? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Make a vision board. There's big things. You know, the companies that, that really kill it, the ministries that are really effective, those that are really uh, uh, productive, they know what they're shooting for. They know what they're doing. And see, I tell young people this all the time. So well, what should I do? I know what you should do. You should fast and pray and get a clear word from the Lord about what you should be doing with your life. You know, it's it's not right. You got Holy Ghost-filled young people going to college and changing their major three and four times, getting in all that student loan debt, all that, and they won't work it off till they're like 45 years old because why are they changing their major? Because they don't know what they're called to do. They don't know what they're called to do. So they're just trying all these different things. When they could fast and pray, I'm not talking about every young person, I'm talking about spirit-filled young people. When they could fast and pray and get a clear word from the Lord and then write it down, this is my purpose. And don't tell me young people can't hear from the Lord. I heard from the Holy Ghost that I was called to preach the gospel when I was five years old, five, and knew clearly enough that that's what I'm called to do. I got filled with the Holy Ghost at five years old. Yes, Jennifer, you keep pressing in until you get a clear vision. I mean, you think about the fact Daniel had to fast for, you know, and seek the Lord. You know, the Bible says if you go back to uh, the ninth chapter uh, of Daniel, he started reading Jeremiah's prophecies. And when he started reading Jeremiah's prophecies, he was so grieved in his heart about what was going to be happening to Israel that he began to fast. And then if you go on further than that, after he was done fasting, he then began to seek the Lord uh, for 21 days, put himself on a special diet. You know why? Because he knew, I don't know how long this is going to take. He wasn't fasting, put himself on a restricted diet, and he began to pray and seek the Lord until he got an answer. Until he got an answer. That's powerful. And he said, I don't care how long it takes. I'm going to get, I'm going to get what God has for me. So you keep pressing in. Because realize this, your purpose is more important than anything else. You don't want to wander through life. You don't want to uh, drift through life. 
Everything snaps into place when you realize what it is God's called you to do. And again, as I've taught many times, it puts parameters on you. Your purpose gives you parameters. It doesn't just show you what you should do. It shows you all the things you shouldn't do. That's powerful. And the reason we write it is because by being able to go back and reference what we've written down from the Lord, you know, we'll always be able to uh, remember and clearly define and have never forget it. See what I mean? You have something to reference. Nancy said, how did you hear from God at five? Was it through a dream, through the Bible or prophecy? No, it was by the leading of the Holy Spirit. I was in northern Maine with my father and mother. My dad was holding a revival. I felt in my spirit that I was supposed to go to the altar and begin to pray. And my mom said, well, we're not doing that right now, but if uh, you feel to do it, you go do it. So I got out of my seat, went to the altar, began to pray, and uh, the pastor of the church, old brother McIntyre, stopped the service and he called me over, sat me on his knee and he said, many of you don't understand what's going on right now, but the Lord's calling this young man to preach the gospel. God gave me my call at five years old in a small Pentecostal church in Maine. And I knew from that moment forward, knew from that moment forward, got filled at the same age. I was in Rhode Island upstairs in my grandmother and grandfather's house. I came down the next morning and I said, Dad, I got filled with the Holy Ghost last night. He said, how do you know? I said, because I spoke in tongues. <laughs> I spoke in tongues. And um, <clears throat> no, Erica, not necessarily. She's, she's asking, do you have a list of scriptures that you would suggest to focus on while you're pressing in for our purpose? I don't necessarily because, see, the Bible itself cannot give you your specific purpose. That's why you got to be led by the Holy Spirit. The Bible will give you a general parameter of how to live your life, but it can't get it doesn't tell you who to marry, doesn't tell you where to go to college, it doesn't tell you what your uh career should be, it doesn't tell you where to live. You've got to be led by the Spirit on those things. So you should be reading the Bible every day, yes, but it's got to be the Spirit that speaks to you. The Bible says in Romans 8:14, that uh, those that are led by the spirit, a spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So we've got to be led by the Holy Ghost about what we're called to do in life. And when we get it, write it, define it, so that you know exactly what God's called you to do. And once you know, trust me, it makes a whole lot of things more simple. It makes a whole lot of things easier. Sarah says, I just got on and missed your name. Are you on here often? God, as you know, well, thank you. My name's Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. That must be from, from the, the page from the church. I'm not sure. But God bless you. Thanks for watching. Hey, Cassandra. Good to see you. And so the number one thing you need to write down, write the vision and make it plain. Now, here's an interesting, here's an interesting thought because I'm going to give you number two. Your vision is the broad sense of what you are doing in life. It's the broad sense of what you are doing in life. You know your direction now. You know your call. 
But in the midst of that, you've got to know how you're going to get there. You've got to know how you're going to get there. I'll give you an example of this. Um, and before I give you an example, let me give you what number two is so it makes sense to you. Number one, write your vision, and that's from Habakkuk 2.2. But number two, write your goals. They're two different things. Write the vision, but number two, write your goals. Write them down. Write them down. Um, very, very important that you do this. I can't tell you how important. Cannot even begin to tell you how important. Write your goals. Put it in the comments. But it, Because here's the thing. Let me, let me give you the example. Writing your vision... It, let, let's let's uh, let's use the analogy of taking a trip, right? Taking a trip, um, writing the vision is like deciding what your destination is going to be, right? It's like deciding where you want to go. But writing your goals is like putting that destination into a GPS, and then what do you get? Turn by turn navigation until you get to that destination. That's exactly what it's like. Because each one of those instructions on the GPS is a goal. If you want to get where you're going, then in 2.1 miles, turn right. If you want to get where you're going, you've got a vision. We're on our way. This is where we're headed. Okay? Then in 16 miles, take exit 87B. And veer left. Each one of these is a goal on the way to your destination. You can't just say, well, you know what? I want to go to Disney World, so I'm just going to start driving any way I want. If you want to go, if we're here right now outside of Dallas, Texas, if I'm in Dallas and I say to myself, I want to go and take my family to Disney World, we're going to drive there. I can't just say, you know what? I'm just going to start driving. I know we'll end up there sooner or later. No, <laughs> you can't do that. Meanwhile, you end up in Wisconsin and you're standing around like, where's Disney World? It's not there. It's not in Wisconsin. And so you have an end destination, that's your vision, but you've got goals that will take you to your destination and you got to write them down. You've got to write them down. Zach, I don't know, you don't have your computer with you. Um, anybody that can Google this, uh, there is a statistic on people who write down their goals are this percentage more likely of completing them than those who don't. I'd like to know what that is if you can find it. What's the percentage that goes, I think it's much higher. People, what is it? People, where where'd you get that reference from? Do you have it? So a management website. I read this. I've read this in multiple business books. People who write their goals down are forty-two percent more likely to complete their goals than those who don't write them down. Forty-two percent more likely. <laughs> I mean, that's that's serious. Listen to that. 60% of people 
give up on their goal within three weeks of setting it. You may have heard me uh, talk about this on the broadcast before, but do you know that in January they have an actual day now? You can Google it. I think it's even on the Google calendar. Uh, They've got an actual day called Quitter's Day. I don't know if you know that. But everybody loves to set New Year's resolutions on all this. And I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to do it. And they say, I think I think Quitter's Day is January 18th. Anybody can Google that? I th- Quitter's Day? I think it's January 18th. Let me know if you find it. <clears throat> you know what that means? The average person couldn't even hang on to their goal for three weeks. Three weeks. Anybody find Quitter's Day? Oh, my goodness. They keep moving it backwards. It was January 18th. And now Zach's saying for 2021, it was January 8th. People couldn't even go just over a week. Oh, Sherry said it was January 17th this year. People couldn't even go 21 days. Imagine that, three weeks, and they've already given up on their goal. That's sad. Brittany found January 8th as well. So they keep moving it backwards. For fitness. People keep moving it backwards. It's like, what's it going to be soon in the future? January 2nd? We set our goals on December 31st at night. We kept them up on January 1st, but man, January 2nd, we just couldn't do it. (laughs) Yeah. Lilia found a statistic. The people who wrote them down were three times more likely to accomplish them than the people who had them only in their mind. So I want you to get this in in your heart. Write your goals down. And that's not a natural thing. It's a supernatural thing. Let me help you. Of course, you know, uh, Proverbs 29 and verse 18. Proverbs 29 and verse 18. We know the Bible says where there's no vision, people perish. Where there's no prophetic vision, people perish. One translation, cast off restraint. Means they they don't have the ability to do it. But listen to what, Uh, The Bible says in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 14, and I want to read you verse 28, Luke 14 and uh, verse 28, Jesus said, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it otherwise when he's laid a foundation and is not able to finish all who see it begin to mock him saying this man began to build but was not able to finish look at this now or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he's able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000 do you understand What is the Lord teaching here? He's teaching that there is always proper planning ahead of time. And, of course, he's talking about the cost of discipleship, talking about the the cost of discipleship to follow the Lord. But know this now. you got to have your vision, and then you've got to have the goals that will get you there. And if you'll write them down and make them plain, as Jesus is teaching, count the cost. Count the cost. There's Pastor Michael Hankins. He said, 
Excellent teaching. Love you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. And so we, we've got to count the cost. We write them down. Now, listen, I've done broadcasts on this. I don't want to continually go over it, but I think here um, it does bear repeating because this is so important. And if you don't know about it, it's worth me making you aware of it. If you've never seen something uh, called SMART goals, I got to just quickly break it down because to me, I think it's, it, it, let me just say how important I think it is. It's, I think it's pointless to even make a goal if you don't make it a SMART goal. And that's, it has certain criteria. That's an acronym, by the way. Each letter stands for something that defines your goal. And what does it stand for? Well, S-M-A-R-T. All of your goals should be specific. That's what S means. They should be specific. If God tells you to do something, it'll be specific. So let me, let me give you an example of what this means. Because, see, if you don't make your goal specific, how do you know if you ever accomplished it to the level that you want to? For example, we don't just say, I want to lose weight. That's a stupid goal. Because you could lose a half of an ounce and fulfill that goal. Well, I lost weight. I lost weight. Well, yeah, half of an ounce. Is that really what your goal was when you said, I want to lose weight? No. So you're specific. What do you say? I want to lose 20 pounds. All right, that's specific. That's specific. Then number two, your goal should be measurable. That's what M means. It's not just specific. It's measurable. So the moment you put a a specificity on it like that, you can measure how far you've gone towards 20 pounds, right? Every day you can measure that. Oh, I'm down two pounds. I'm down four pounds. I'm down eight pounds. And you're measuring it as you go. It should also be attainable. That's what A stands for. Your goal should be achievable or attainable. So if you weigh 200 pounds, you're not going to make a goal and say, I'm going to lose 150 pounds. No, you're not because you're not going to be 50 pounds. So you got to do something that's attainable. Also, with R, it should be relevant to your purpose. It should be relevant to your life, right? So let me give you an example. If you're an NFL, uh, let's say if you're an NFL uh, lineman, that's your purpose in life, you're an NFL lineman and you weigh 500 pounds, you're not going to set the goal, I need to drop 200 pounds because the team wants you at 500 pounds. So it wouldn't even be relevant to what you're doing in life. Don't set goals that aren't relevant to what you're doing in life. And then finally, the T means, and I think this is probably one of the most important ones, time-based. It's time-based. You set yourself a deadline. If not, your goals will, they'll just drift out into the future for the rest of your life. Well, one of these days I'm going to lose 20 pounds. Oh, I'm just, you know, and 30 years later, you're still talking about one of these days you're going to lose 20 pounds. It's got to be time-based. I use that because it's an easy analogy, but, you know, your ministry, your business, what you're doing with your family, these should be time-based things. Don't let those don't let those things that govern your vision and govern your purpose drift out into the future for, an, you know, I had a guy come up to me in a church service. He said, I want you to pray for me. I said, how can I pray for you? He said, the Lord called me to preach. 30 years ago, and I'm just believing it'll come to pass. I said, 30 years ago? I'm sure he's probably called somebody else by now. Yeah. Imagine sitting at a table at a restaurant. You're at a nice restaurant. 
and you've asked your waiter three times for another a refill on your drink, you know, at some at some point you're going to call for a different waiter to come over. I've been asking my waiter for 30 minutes to bring me a drink. Could you bring me one? You're going to call, you know why? Cuz there's something that you want to get done. A drink. And if they they if they're not going to do it, you're going to find someone who is. And God also has an agenda. God also has things he wants to be completed. And we can't just say, "Well, you know what? I'll do it in my time." No, you do it in God's time. One of the uh, one of the greatest pieces of advice I ever heard. Great man of God holds massive crusades around the world. Dag Hayward Mills. His name is uh, Brother Dag Hayward Mills. You can look him up. Massive crusades, and he he said this that when God tells you to do something, do it as quickly as you can, because God's got an agenda. God wants things done. Don't drag out what God called you to do for years and years and years. If God told you to do it, get it done. Just do it and move on to the next thing. Obey quickly. Give yourself a deadline. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get it done. If God called you to do it, get it done. And so we make those goals time-based because I don't want to drag it out for 30 years. Specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, time-based. If you'll attach all five of those to your goals, you watch and see. And write them down. You watch and see how you start crushing stuff left and right. Just completing it, completing it, completing it. It's how it works. It's how it works. And so, Jesus said, count up the cost. Every one of us need to write down the goals that God gives us to complete. One of the nicest things that um, you can do Keep, you know, and I know not everybody's mind works like this, and I understand some people are more efficient without one of these. I don't know how, but they say they are. I I work better with one because of the way my mind works. Get yourself a to-do list. Plan out your day. This is the way to be productive in the kingdom. Don't just let your day tell you what you're going to do. You tell your day what it's going to do. I can't can't stress that enough. Don't let your day tell you what you're going to do. You tell your day what you're going to do. Tomorrow, you know, write them before bed if you have to. Put it in a to-do list with a checklist. Tomorrow, I'm going to accomplish these 10 things. When? When are you going to do it? And then just knock them out. It feels good to check stuff off. feels good to check stuff off, cross things off the list. <laughs> Absolutely. And so I want you to, I want you to put that in your, in your uh, notes. Write your goals down. Right. In fact, put it this way. Write your smart goals down. It'll it'll make you remember. Number three, third thing I want you to understand causes you to be successful. Write your miracles down. Write your miracles down. Write down the things God has done for you. So you don't forget them. Write down the things that God has done for you. So you never forget the good things that the Lord has done. Because here's the thing. When you write down your miracles, you write down every time God has intervened in your life, the things that he's blessed you with, it does uh, it does a um, specific thing. It keeps you in a place of gratitude. You can look at that list and say, thank God. Thank God. Thank God. He did that for me. He healed me of this. He touched my child. He got my brother off drugs. I mean, you go through. You go through 
and you write your miracles down, you write your blessings down, number one, you always have something, whether it's in your phone, on paper, whatever, you've got something to immediately thank and praise God for. You put yourself in remembrance of the goodness of God. And that's a command because in Psalm 150, the Bible says, praise him for his mighty acts of greatness. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Praise him for his mighty acts of greatness. Well, we're commanded to do that, which means we've got to remember what his mighty acts of greatness were. No better way than to have a miracle journal. A miracle journal. Turn to Isaiah 43. I want to show you this. Isaiah chapter 43. And uh, I'm going to read you a few verses here. But this is always, this has always kind of made me laugh. <laughs> I love the way God did this. I wrote about this in my book, Further Faster. If you haven't gotten it on the power of impartation, you need to get it. It's available on all platforms, Amazon, Apple Books, Kindle. It's just not yet available on audible.com. We're getting there. Isaiah 43, let's start with verse, uh, (laughs) let's start with verse 15. I am the Lord, your Holy One. I'm going to read verses 15 through 19. Isaiah 43, 15 through 19. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Now look what he starts doing. Thus says the Lord, the one who makes a way in the sea. He goes back and now he's he's referencing the Red Sea. A path in the mighty waters who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down and they cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. <laughs> so he's he's going through and, get, and, and telling them about all the things. He's reminding them of all the things that he's done in their past. You remember me? I'm the one who parted the Red Sea. Remember me? I'm the one who brought you through on dry ground. Remember me? I'm the one that brought Pharaoh and his army into the uh, seabed. Remember me? I made them lie down and crash the waves over the top of them and drown every last one of your enemies under the Red Sea. Remember me? I'm the Lord your God. Then verse four, verse 18. But remember not the former things. <laughs> this always cracked me up. He takes all this time and he's like, I'm going to go ahead and list all the former things that I've done in your life. And then I'm going to tell you, don't remember those. Why? Well, obviously, he's not saying don't remember it at all because he just reminded them of those things. But what's he directing their focus toward? Look, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Why? For verse 19, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And so notice this, God wants you only to look backwards long enough to see the things that he's done for you and to give him praise, but not to live in the past. You're not called to live in the past. You know, you probably you could you probably at 40 years old still know the guy in your hometown that's still wearing his varsity jacket 
and still tell everybody about how, man, I used to throw that pig skin. I'll tell you what, I could throw it through a tire at 45 yards. There's always somebody that's living in the past that every time you see them, it's like no time has passed and they're like, oh, remember when we used to go? It's like, buddy, that was like 20 years ago. Oh, it seems like yesterday to me. She's living in the past. God doesn't want us living in the past. He wants us pressing forward into the future. Only look back long enough to praise him for what he's done. I want to give you that. Put it in the put it in the comments. Only look back long enough to give him praise for what he's done. That's what he's showing him here. He recounts it and says, now forget it and look forward. Only look back long enough to give him praise for what he's done. Otherwise, you start to live in the past as though God will never do anything better than what he did back then. And if you've ever met somebody in church like that, you've heard them talk. You know what they always say? Oh, I wish it was like it was in the old days. We used to have revival. We used to have a move of God. I remember how powerful it was back in the day. As though God is retired now. Or as though God is collecting unemployment somewhere in heaven. No longer at work. Only look back long enough to give God praise for what he's done. But don't live in the past. The best days are ahead, not behind. Best days are ahead, not behind. But we still thank him and praise him for the good things that he's done. And I encourage you, write your miracles down. You know, I like it because... Uh, there were men of God, like Brother Shambach did this, others did this, Dr. Summerall did this. They would write books that all the book was was stories of miracles that happened in their ministry. That's all it was. <laughs> I love Dr. Summerall's book, got a book. It's called Miracles Still Happen. Miracles Still Happen. Great book. Great book. Brother, uh, Brother Shambach had one. He actually had put out two volumes of it, part one and part two. Powerful. And it's just telling people miracle stories of what happened. And just, I mean, it's faith building. And it gives God the glory for what he's done. Write your miracles down. Write your miracles down. Let me give you number four. Don't just write your miracles down. Oh, yeah. I know, Alex. I love listening to Dr. Summerall tell miracle stories. Uh, Brother Hagen was great at it, and Brother Shambach was great at it. All those men, I can still remember their miracle stories. Our brains, by the way, are designed to retain stories. People don't know that. For for all of the years, uh that we didn't have written histories, we had oral histories. People used to sit around and tell stories of what went on. Our brains are designed to retain stories. Nancy said, Ted, do you think preachers' children have the advantage of knowing their purpose ahead of other children whose parents are not ministers? Every person that's filled with the Holy Ghost has the ability to hear from the Holy Ghost. You don't have to be a preacher's kid to hear from the Holy Ghost. Now, do I think that you can create environments in your family and in your house that are uh, more yielded to the voice of the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Is there generational impartation? Absolutely. No question about it. But any Christian parent can uh, set that stage and set that atmosphere for their child to hear from the Lord. And so it's not that it's just that God picks and chooses. It's that there are some that are more yielded, that are going after it more and more often and more vehemently. You see what I mean? And so it's a good question, Nancy, but I would say, rather than looking at it that way, I would say uh, cultivate that atmosphere in your own family and life where the young people can. This is why I tell people it matters what church you go to. If you go to some dead, dry church where they don't even believe in the Holy Ghost or they're not focused on being led by the Spirit and all that, what's the point? What's the point? You know what I thank God about for in my youth group when I was growing up? Uh, My youth pastor. Pastor Donnie Wagner, he, uh, and we didn't have a massive youth group, but one thing he always did is he ensured we always had a move of the spirit in our youth group. And uh, we may have had 20, 30, 40 kids, but we had a move of the spirit. And do you know that there were so many young people out of my youth group that went to Bible school, went into the ministry. Why? Because he was determined we're going to have a move of the spirit in the youth group. Changed our lives. It wasn't just games. It wasn't just babysitting the youth while the parents were in Wednesday night service. No. He was determined we're going to have a move of the spirit in the youth group. And as a result, he had a bunch of youth go into the ministry and follow the call of God that was on their life. You can cultivate the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit. And you can yield yourself to the Spirit of God. Yield yourself to the Spirit of God. Listen to this now. Number four, let me break them down again. Write your vision. Write your goals. Write your miracles. Number four, write yourself. Number four, write yourself. I think it's a very important thing to keep a record, a track record of what's been going on in your own personal life. It's an important thing to log these things. Write it down. The more you write down, the less you'll forget. And if you'll write things down, I made this decision. But you know what? You know what? I don't, I, I, I and then you, you have, you know, we always say this, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, well, why not write it down? Because it ensures you'll never, you won't keep making the same mistakes. I'll write notes to myself. I have a journaling app on my phone. I'll write things to myself. Whether it's just things I'm thankful for that took place. I'll put things about me and my children, my wife. Uh, things where we've been. But I'll write myself notes. I was in this service and this took place. And I, I handled it this way. I did this. And all this. And, and you can go back years and years back. And you can see how even you've progressed. You can see what where the Lord's taken you, and you can see how far you've come. It's actually very encouraging to do that if you're doing what God's asked you to do. Because uh, let me give you an example of how it works, but, but using uh, children as the example. Have you ever, if you have children, but you live apart from other family members, have you ever gotten together with other family members 
and and uh, they haven't seen your kids in like eight months, and maybe you see them for Thanksgiving or Christmas, and they see your kids and like, look at the boys, they're huge. Look at your daughters, man, they're getting so big. Well, to you, it's like, oh, really? Because like you're with them every single day. So when you see them every single day, you don't notice the change as drastically as that family member who hasn't seen him in months. They see him and they're like, man, he's so big now. Look at your daughter. She's like a young lady now. And what's the difference? They haven't seen him in a while. But because you live with yourself every single day, changes are happening all the time, but you don't see them like that because you're with you every day. But one of the things that's encouraging is when you write yourself and you go back and look, sometimes God moves so quick. I was talking to, I was talking to my wife uh, uh, last week and she said, how do you feel about everything that's been happening? I said, I feel good. But I, I was a little delayed to give her my answer uh, positively. But then I started thinking like, I can't believe I've delayed and given my answer because I started looking back just two, three years ago, not 30, two or three. I was like, look at what God has done in Miracle Word Ministries and in our our lives in three years, just three years. The increase has been insane. You know, we have, we have the, uh, sometimes a tendency to just look at what's going over the going on over the last month or the last two months. No, look at, I mean, three years is not a long time. And I look back and say, man, God has increased us so drastically in the last three years. It's mind blowing. If you'd have told me three or four years ago that I would be where I'm at right now, just four years later, I'd be like, seriously, <laughs> really? Yeah. Because God has increased us so dramatically, and I mean dramatically, dramatically. I mean, come on. Added a staff, added added an office, added a television studio, added us on television around the world, 180 nations. I mean, all these different things. Every partnership's gone up by 600% or something like that. I mean, I, I go through all the things. I, I, you know, I could sit here and cry thinking of all the things God's done. Sometimes my wife, she'll just get teary-eyed thinking of the goodness of God because you think of it only four years. That's no time at all. The increase has been drastic. But see, if you only are focused on the last week or the last month or whatever, you don't see that, that kind of thing, right? And, and sometimes our human minds are thinking about so much stuff, we'll forget. We'll forget. Write it down. Write it down and say, man, this is where I was here. This is where I was here. And then you start seeing where God brings you. It's supernatural. It's supernatural. But it also ensures, because you know what's funny, is uh, there's also things you can warn yourself. Don't ever do this again. Don't ever make that mistake. And sometimes you'll forget. My wife, for these types of things, she'll have a better memory than I do because I'm always just thinking about the next thing. And I'll say, what happened with this? And she'll say, well, we, we, we knew we weren't going to do that again. I said, oh, I completely forgot about that whole thing. And she's like, yeah, you didn't appreciate it. You didn't like it. You didn't like the way it went. We weren't going to do that anymore. I said, yeah, I'm glad you reminded me because I didn't. I completely forgot. I put it out of my mind and kept moving forward. Write it down. And you know what happens is that you can even warn yourself, don't do this anymore. Change this. Go. 
It's so valuable. It is so valuable to have your own record of what you would and wouldn't do. And look, I mean, if you're not doing that, do some form of it. Do some form of it starting today. And just begin to, listen, It does, you don't have to be, uh, you know, who, who are the two guys? Dr. Livingston and, you know, going through and making these large journals. You don't have to be Dr. You know, you don't have to be uh, Sir Winston Churchill during World War II putting together six massive volumes of journals of what, what happened during the World War. Even if you only do a paragraph a day, a paragraph. And, you know, they've got apps now for your phone. And there are journaling apps. There's one that I use called Day One. Day One Journal app. And you can even set it to um, prompt you to write something. You know, if you forget or whatever. You can even set it. I mean, this is how much they want you to journal. You can even set it that every time you post a picture to Instagram, it also posts it into your journal with whatever caption you wrote. For that Instagram picture, it'll post it in your journal and the caption you put underneath. And then if you want, you can go in there and journal more under that picture or whatever. And you can set it to prompt you, like before bed or the first thing when you wake up in the morning. Hey, write a little something about yesterday. Write a little something about today. And it'll pop up like a notification on your, and it just is saying, hey, log, log, log things. It doesn't have to, listen, it's not for anybody but you. It doesn't, you don't have have to worry about, I'm I'm not good at spelling. I don't have a large vocabulary. It's not for anybody else. It's for you. It's called Day One Journal, Brittany. Day One Journal. And if you, uh, you know, if you get the, the paid version, which I don't think is very much for the year, it'll sync across all your devices. So you can, uh, continue on your iPad, your phone, your laptop, whatever, and you just journal it. Put some pictures in. Put some videos in. Whatever. Remember your kids. Remember your what you've done. Remember all those things. It's really great. Write yourself. And then let me give you this final one. Number five, write your children. Write your children. This is big. Write your children. Psalm 78. Why don't you go there with me? Psalm 78. See, you're responsible to raise up the next generation of leaders. Psalm 78, powerful passage. Number five, write your children. Write your children. My grandfather, great speaker, well-spoken, amazing vocabulary he had, very intelligent man. I made sure that I lived in Virginia Beach and he lived in Virginia Beach, but he was moving to West Virginia at the end of his life. And I made sure that before he left Virginia Beach, I went and had him, I went to his house and brought all of his briefcases into the church and um, he had notebooks with every message he ever preached over 62 years. All these notebooks 
And then on each message that he had outlined, at the bottom he had every city and state and church name that he ever preached that message at with the date next to it. So he knew where and when he preached each message. And uh, I brought those into the church. And I took time, because it's valuable, photocopying every single page, every single page of every one of his notebooks. Made a copy, made several copies. But now I have three ring binders full of everything that he ever wrote, message-wise. And he wrote great messages. But see, now that's being passed down and passed on is the thing that he took his whole life to write and to do. It's not lost. I've got it. And he was my grandfather, but I got it and kept it. Listen to Psalm 77, verses 2, or excuse me, or what did I tell you? Psalm 78? Yeah. Verses 2 through 4. Psalm 78, verses 2 through 4. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. Things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. So look at there, it's already being passed down to them. But look at verse four. We will not hide them from their children. But tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. Glory to God. And the wonders that he has done. So catch this. The importance of of telling the coming generation of what the Lord has done. It's part of training them up. There's my friend, Pastor Jordan Work. It's part of training them up in the way they should go so that when they're old, they won't depart from it. Tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he's done. I've been able to hear my father and mother tell the stories from their life of all the things God's done for them, miracle stories. I could tell them to you and repeat them because I've heard them so often, heard them in the meetings, the revivals. I could repeat them to you and tell them to you with the details. And I got to hear of what God did for them. I got to hear of what God did for my uncles. I got to hear of what God did for my grandparents. I got to hear it, and I know it. I know how God has touched our family. I know how God has touched our lives, our ministries. I'm not ignorant of it. I know it. My children will hear it. Jesus tarries, their children will hear it. How God used our family and has what he's done throughout our the history of our family to bless us. I love the way it says it here in Psalm 78. We will not hide these things from their children. We're not going to hide them. See, because one thing I noticed as I read through the Old Testament, the Bible says that the people of Israel disregarded the instructions of the Lord 
mingled with those that were unbelievers, married their women, married their men, didn't tear down their altars and their statues, their false gods. And the Bible says, and the next generation rose up. One generation, and the next generation rose up that did not know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It only took them one generation to lose their kids. Only took them one generation to lose the power of God. Every generation is responsible to let the next generation know about the power of the Holy Ghost. Every generation is responsible. Please put this in the comments. Every generation is responsible to let the next generation know about the power of God. Without question. Without question. We've got a responsibility to let them know. To train them up. To show them what's right. And part of writing to your children, I bought a journal for each of my children that I'm writing to them that when they get married and go start their own family, I can hand them that leather-bound journal of things that I would write to them. You know the way I saw one uh, family do it? When their children were born, uh, the parents started an email address for each child. And then they would just email the children you know, throughout their life. And then when their children were leaving the house, they gave them access to the email with the password and they could log in and they had all those emails from their mom and dad of things they wrote them over the years. Things, you know, just powerful stuff. You can send messages to the next generation. Let them know. And so I'm very serious about these things because they'll define your life and your calling. And if you want to be successful, one thing I've learned, if you want to be successful, I was talking with Pastor about this, and I've done broadcasts on it before. There are three relationships that you should have in your life as a successful person. You've got to have those that are above you that are pouring into you. That's your impartation. That's your impartation. So you've got to have those above you. But then the majority of your relationship is going to be those around you, those that are your peers, those that are your peers. You can delete that uh, same Cash App. always makes me laugh. It's like they've got 19 million different people that log on, but the Cash App's always the same Cash App. And so you can have your peers. Those are people that are around you. But then the third relationship that you've got to have is those that are beneath you. Those are the ones you're raising up. Those are the ones that you're helping, that you're pouring into. And if you're going to be fulfilled, you've got three different levels of relationship. Those that are pouring into you that are imparting. Those that are around you that you can encourage each other, your peers, your colleagues, And those that are below you that you're raising up, that you're pouring into, that you are giving them impartation. See, if you don't ever have any impartation coming to you, you've got nothing to give. If you've got nobody that are your peers, your colleagues, you've got nobody that's iron sharpening iron, nobody's edifying, encouraging you, and you're encouraging them. And then if you've got nobody that you're bringing up, then you're frustrated because you've got all this that's been imparted to you with nobody to share it with. You need all three. And these five things will help you. Number one, write your vision. 
Number two, write your goals. Number three, write your miracles. Number four, write yourself. And number five, write your children. It's so vital. Write your children. You know, one of the things that I'm really believing is that as we're stepping into the second half of this year very soon, that God's going to use us. And when I say us, I mean you and me, you, those of you that are watching and, and myself as well. God's going to use us in the final six months of this year in the greatest way that we've ever been used. Like expedite our purpose so that our fruitfulness goes through the roof. Goes through the roof. That we start seeing more happen in six months than we've ever had happen ever in a year, two years. God will do it. God will do it. But in order for that to happen, we got to be focused on what we're called to do. You can't, you know, you might feel, well, he harps on this in this broadcast. Yeah, I've done a, I've done a relationship. I've done a, a Liz, I've done a, pod, a podcast on those. We'll have to get it to you. We'll have to send you what, what, what number it is on those three different relationships. We did a whole broadcast on it. But we have to know what our purpose is. We can't be drifting through life. People are like, man, he harps on this thought. But the thing is, it's not that I'm harping on it. It's it's about the fact that so many people, look at the quitter's day. January 17th, now it's back to January 8th. Don't tell me that people haven't thrown their lives into cruise control. Don't tell me that people have not put their lives into maintenance mode because they have. And that is the temptation of your flesh is to coast. That's the temptation. Once it's easy enough to where I can live and make a living and you know do my thing, then I'm just going to go ahead and coast. If that's the temptation, we're breaking past it. And we're going to keep on pressing in and keep on going hard. We're going hard when others are taking it easy. Amen. That doesn't mean you have to always burn yourself out. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about we're focused. We're focused. We're focused. You know, it's like the old parable, uh, you know, of the tortoise and the hare. And it looked like the tortoise was going slow. But you know what, it, you know what the, the lesson was? It might have looked like he was going slow, but he just never stopped going. He just kept on going. Whereas the hare ran out there real fast. It was like a flash in the pan. And he said, well, I'm so far ahead, I'm just going to take a nap. And slept his way through it. And the tortoise, while he's sleeping... The tortoise is still going, still going, still moving forward. What's the key? The key is to continually move forward, continually increase. That's God's plan for you. Proverbs 4.18. The path of the just is a shining light that shines ever brighter until the perfect day. You should be moving forward every day. Every day, are you learning new things? Are you praying? Are you studying the word? Are you uh, taking steps towards your purpose to expand? You see what I mean? Every day, every day. And so we never stop moving forward. That's part of what the Victory Tribe is doing. We don't stop moving forward. We don't stop moving forward. I don't care. I don't care if it's slow and steady. 
My, my father always said that to me. Slow and steady wins the race. Slow and steady wins the race. I've seen guys that are a flash in the pan. Flash in the pan. Even in the ministry. They blow up. They got all this going on. And today, you know, five years ago, they were everywhere. Everywhere. At every conference. At every revival. At everything. They were everywhere. Today, you don't hear their name. Nobody knows who they are. They're gone. Off the scene. Off the scene. It's a mistake. Some people, they, they, they aren't ready for it. Their character can't even keep them at the level where they've grown. They, they can't do it. And so they're a flash in the pan. Here one minute, gone the next. Slow and steady wins the race. Because as you're moving forward at that steady pace, you're also building an infrastructure that can maintain your increase. People don't get that. You've got to have an infrastructure that can maintain your increase. Otherwise, you crash and burn. And so I'm encouraging you every day, moving forward, slow and steady wins the race. And I know I'm not telling you God won't do it quickly. He will expedite your purpose. He will expedite it. But it's just we're moving forward daily. I'm not going to let days go by where I'm not learning something, doing something, pressing into his presence. Days aren't going by like that. We're going to have what God said we can have. I want to pray for those of you that are watching, those of you that are listening on the podcast. I want to pray for you today. I'm believing God that your mind will be blown. There it is for you, Liz. Uh, I believe that's Tiffany. Put that in the comments for you. That podcast is called Three Crucial Relationships You Must Have to Succeed. May 14th. 2019. What a great team I have. May 14th, 2019, three crucial relationships you must have to succeed. And I believe in them. I believe in them. But I want to pray for you that God will increase you to the place where you've got testimonies to write down. You've got things to tell the next generation. And that God would give you such clarity in your spirit and in your mind that you know exactly where you're headed. You're not wandering. You're not wondering. And that's our, that's our prayer. That's the key. Father, I pray you touch every person today. Lord, those that have been wanting, like those that wrote comments, how do we know? How do we get clarity? Holy Spirit, would you speak to them today? Give them instructions. Give them clarity. Show them exactly what you'd have them to do. Let it be burnt into their spirit. They'll never forget. In the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you. We praise you. Then Lord, give us the discipline. Give us the self-control by the Holy Ghost to press in to what you've told us to do and never fall back. We're not of those that fall back under perdition, but of those that press in and move forward to the saving of the soul. And so, Lord, give us that kind of stamina to run this race, to finish our course in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you that as we do, increase is quickly hitting every house, every life, as we obey your word and your purpose. In Jesus' mighty name, and if you believe it, somebody shout amen, throw your hands up in the comments, throw some fire in the comments. Let me know you're believing and standing with us today. It's a great day. Amen. I'm so happy. 
about what God's doing, especially right here in Rowlett, Texas, the power of God's moving. Today, I'm going to ask you to sow a seed. There's people that are watching today, and the Lord's been dealing with you over the last few weeks, few months, to stand with us in partnership. Now's the time to answer that call. Answer that call. There's people that the Lord's been dealing with you to increase your partnership to another level. It's time to answer that call. I want you to go to miracleword.com. You see it on the screen. If you're listening on the podcast, you can uh, scroll up to the description. There's links you can click in the podcast. Go to miracleword.com and make that step of faith today that I'm going to stand with Ted and Carolyn. I am going to believe God to increase my family and my life. And on miracleword.com, if you feel the Lord speaking to you to partner with us, there's a, a partner form where you can set a monthly seed and you can set up your own profile. And with your debit or credit card, every month you can sow that automatic seed let the Lord's told you to do and stand with us. You know what our faith set at. Thousand people that are standing with us at $85 a month or more. Do what the Lord's telling you to do. We've had a lot of people that, have st- that are standing at way more than $85. But don't ever think to yourself, well, because I can't do the 85, I'm just not, I, I shouldn't do anything. No, do what you can do now. There's people, maybe all you can do at this moment, $50 a month, $35 a month. Do what you can do by faith and watch God increase you. And he will increase you. He will increase you. For this month, there's two things we're doing in this month of June. For those that sow $50 or more, we're sending you this book entitled Bible Doctrines by P.C. Nelson, powerful book that shows you why we believe what we believe. For those that are partnering at the $85 level or more, we're going to send you Brother Hagin's book, Biblical Keys to Financial Prosperity, and this is one of the best books you can get on financial prosperity. It'll open your eyes. Go to miracleword.com forward slash offer and fill out the form so we know where to send it. And then uh, we'll get it to you as quickly as possible. We got a brand new magazine getting ready to drop, the summer edition, entitled Blind Guides. (laughs) Wait till you read this article. Blind Guides. I felt like a righteous indignation when I was writing. Carolyn's got... Powerful article for you. It's it's really great. We've got some things we want to share with you. I believe it's the best one we've released. I always say it, but I really believe it. If you want to get that and you don't have a subscription to our free magazine, it doesn't cost you a dime, go to miracleword.com forward slash live, and you can sign up to receive the monthly, or excuse me, the quarterly magazine, Miracle Word magazine, uh, and the brand new editions getting ready to drop. We want to get it to you. So go to that website on the screen, sign up, and be a part of it. Those of you that are overseas, we will get you a digital copy very, very quickly after it drops. So go and do that today. Final thing I want to say as you're giving is this. Um, We've got some new, we've had so many people ask for it. Um, Miracle Word merch or Victory Tribe merch, shirts, hoodies, different things we're going to do. Um, and we are working on that now. Plus, plus, you only need to sign up once, Erica. You don't have to sign up every quarter, just one time, just one time. Or if your address changes, let us know. But along with the Victory Tribe merch that we're putting together, I got an idea 
for a really cool clothing line that we want to make some stuff coming out soon. And we're going to be doing some drops. Some of them will be exclusive drops. And once they're gone, they're gone. We'll never make them again. But they're going to be sick-looking things that we're putting out. If you want to be first in line to hear about and see some of the things that we're going to do before anybody else gets a chance to, you need to sign up for the text family. You need to be part of the text family. So go to miracleword.com forward slash text. Fill out the form. When you do, it puts your contact info right in my phone, in my contact book. And then I'll be able to text you personally. It's always me, by the way. It's never a bot. It's never someone on staff. It's always me. I'll be able to text you. You'll be able to text me. And um, I will be letting the text family know first for the Victory Tribe wear as well as this new thing that I'm not even going to tell you about yet, but wait till you see it. It's a ridiculously cool idea. And we're going to do them. Above, but, but here's why I tell you that. If we do a special drop, and we will be doing these, we're going to be do, doing limited edition pieces. We may only do 50. We may only do 100. And the store, we'll, we'll open the store for like three hours. And once they're gone, they're gone. And, and we're not bringing them back. So they're limited edition pieces. And uh, they're going to be really, really, really cool stuff. I, I, I've, already, I've already got so excited. Zach and I have done some brainstorming. We're looking at some different things. Very pumped about this because I want, I don't want just like, you know, like a youth camp t-shirt or like a, a you know, a, a, con, a concert t-shirt that you'll wear once because you went to the event and I want stuff that you can wear all the time, stuff that actually looks cool and stuff that's, that's what I like about the city youth uh, t-shirts. Like I like the way they look because I'd wear it all the time. I wore mine to the mall yesterday, my city youth tie-dye t-shirt, but I want stuff that looks, looks cool that you can wear out. You can wear all, all around. Uh, and so it's going to be cool, but sign up miracleword.com. You see it on the screen forward slash text, become a part of the text family. I won't blow up your phone too much, but it is me texting you. And you can text me by the way, prayer requests, all kinds of stuff like that. Let's see if anybody's doing it as I'm talking about it. Cause I, I see your name as soon as you sign up. And so I, I always see it. Look at that. Grace Babalola. Emmanuel Satali, Joanna Suarez, Carol Wilson, Kay McCarthy, Sherry Jefferson, just signed up. Thanks, Sherry. Pastor David Renzel, Anthony Marone, Tanika Marone, thank you. Mimi Gottfried, Lisa Fernandez, Diane Sopke, or is it Sopke? Bethany Jenkins, Renee Farmer, thanks. Love you guys. Look at that. Lilia, even Lilia Petty signed up. Look, she humbled herself to sign up for the text family. So people are, people are signing up right now. And uh, I'm going to text you today. You're going to get a message from me. That is from me. Just letting you know, thanks for being a part of what we're doing. Again, we're in Rowlett, Texas. Two more nights tonight and tomorrow, Thursday, Friday, 7 o'clock. Uh, how do we sign up a Miracle Word? Deb, miracleword.com forward slash text forward slash text there's a form there if you'll if you'll fill that out it does it all automatically puts it right in my phone book. jump on we got some cool things coming up i'll tell you another thing that i do if you if you're not a part of the text family i like to do this 
I like to let you know where we're at, what we're doing. Sometimes I'll just shoot a video that's like me and my family. I'll just shoot a video on my phone that's like a minute long, and I'll text it to you just to give you an update of where we're at, what we're doing. You see that we're traveling to meetings, different things that are going on. And so you'll be able to get that, and, and uh, I know we'll, we'll stay connected. It'll be the best. Because here's the thing. With social media, it's all changing so much. Algorithms change. You miss updates. You miss things that we're doing. But with this, we can stay connected. And I love to stay connected with you guys. I love the victory track. Have a powerful day, and uh, I'll see you tonight. And I'll be back tomorrow morning, 10.30 a.m. Eastern, 9.30 Central. Be blessed. I'll talk to you again soon. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.